0: Yo, look how good my collarbone looks. Look at that.
1: Look at that. You poke an eye out with that thing.
2: Is <laughs> that is that like wife. a
1: sexy thing? Do people like the sharp collarbones? Oh, I mean, I, I, I really like
2: collarbones.
0: I really like my collarbone. <laughs> so just don't try and steal my wife, Scott. I have I have no reason to steal your
1: wife
2: with your sexy collarbones.
1: I'm coming for your dog though. The problem is that uh, Cookie's actually playing the thief in Octopath Traveler. So if anyone's oh, gonna no. do, yeah, any any wife stealing, I think it's gonna be him. On this yeah. particular day of July fifteenth, two thousand eighteen, I'm Neil. I'm Cookie, and I'm Scott, and I'm gonna and, buy that buy that woman back. I'm and playing you Merchant are, Baby. You are the sole listener of Fancy Ramen, a podcast about video games. I'm back
2: from my trip on a cloud from the Bahamas. Yeah, you were floating above the Bahamas. Oh, man.
1: On cloud nine.
2: How was it? It was warm. No, we didn't actually go to the Bahamas. We were... Is is Neil choppy? Am I Neil's choppy? Neil's a little choppy, yeah. It could
1: be just my shitty internet. That could be something. And my screen, uh, yeah. As long as I can hear you, I'm normally satisfied with it. Fair enough.
0: Cookie's Um, had the luxury of being able to look at people while he's recording for a while. (laughs) You got to get that. (laughs) You got to get my equivalent
1: where I was like looking at green circles for months on end. (laughs) If it makes you feel any better, uh, you guys just froze on my screen for a bit. Now Cookie did because my internet is terrible. So you guys were somehow remaining perfectly still while talking to the audience perspective. That's good. But now it's all gone. So hopefully that remains we remain trouble free for the time being. Uh, What have you guys been up to this week? Um, I'll go first since I interrupted
0: again. Um, not a huge amount. (laughs) Actually, I've been taking care of my parents' place, so I've been hanging around town, mowing lawns, watering flowers, and watching them subsequently die to the heat. Anyway, uh. I think one one flower pot went two days without water and it went from like upright and vibrant to plants that I've never seen so close to death before. Like literally drooping sideways out of the pot towards the
1: ground. So I like, I like how you I moved out. Back. You moved out only so you could drive there to do uh, to perform landscaping. <laughs> yeah, now it's a it, profession.
0: Was, it was uh I know, it used to just be a hobby. Um but the rest of my family is all back your guys' way in Omaha for two weddings. And uh, I can only afford one wedding this year. And so I had to wait until September to cash in on mine. So I got got slated with all of the, uh, I guess, uh, caretaker duties. Proud of you. I slink around like Creature from uh, Harry Potter. Like... (coughs) Creature
1: Harry Is Creature a good servant <laughs> Harry I
0: No I don't think he cares about that I'm pretty sure he's a lot grumpier and he just hoards shit Which also I, I did that too I was like I finished mowing the lawn I finished taking care of a bunch of the plants And I sent my dad a text and I'm just like I'm raiding your fridge Because I've earned it So If you're missing out on a couple of things i, I took my I took my share
2: I finished my table, and I got a new guitar. Oh, what kind of guitar did you get? Electric or acoustic? It is a actual Fender Strat uh, Sunburst. Oh shit! Yeah, it's heavy as balls. Yeah, I got that along with a phaser pedal, and I've been—I got back into producing music again, actually. So I ended up picking up the Core Gadget on both the Nintendo Switch and the iPad because it was on sale for iPad, and I like the touch functionality better. Mm-hmm. And I also realized that one of my coworkers does mixing and mastering, and he's he likes my stuff enough not to buy it, but to mix and master it for free. So that's pretty good. Oh, and I guess I was gone last week for a wedding in. Nope, a wedding shower in Chicago. Oh, sweet, so so, you d- you do anything fun in Chicago while you were there? We stayed inside and played board games. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it was like perfect. <laughs> you you get any good food at least? Um, there was actually a pretty decent pizza we got delivered. And a really good breakfast at like some family mm-hmm. restaurant that was kind of delicious that had free parking. Oh. That's a big deal in Chicago. That's nice question
1: for you. Was it pizza or was it a cheese and meat pie? Was it a Um, pizza pie?
2: So we had me and Lizzie shared a buffalo chicken pizza and her sister being pescaparian. pescaparian, The one that could only eat fish. Yeah, Yeah, She had like a full veggie veggie lovers thing that was actually kind of delicious sans the olives because they put like 17 different kinds of vegetables on it
1: but was it a real pizza or was it a pie a meat and cheese and or a, a cheese and tomato with fillings pie i'm gonna have to ask you to define real pizza a I I real uh, pizza is not something that's an inch thick is i what think I'm you can make the
0: assumption that uh If you're having a buffalo chicken pizza, chances are it's not the pizza pie format that you're thinking of, Neil, because then you'd have like a hot sauce sauce for more than a thin layer, which just sounds super gross and also really hard to cook. Basically, I'm just
1: bad mouthing Chicago style pizza. Yeah, well, no, it wasn't Chicago
2: style pizza. I don't like Chicago style pizza. Yeah, it's not fucking pizza. It's it's you guys are both it's Anti-deep not really even dish, a, huh? it's it's not even really a pie the so all the chicago style pizzas i've had have been like the you know like the bottom layer of crust it's always been like this thick yeah that's because it has to support so much fucking shit in it but then it's like the bottom layer of crust is about this thick and then it's like thin layer of cheeses and your meats and then sauce over the top and that uh, that that place is just scamming you
1: like, no, I'm not saying Chicago-style pizza is bad. I'm just saying, I'm saying it's not Chicago really pizza. Style bad.
2: I'm, I'm a New York-style pizza type of guy. I, I I can get
1: behind a good slice of new some New York pizza, some New York pie.
2: God, you're so racist. I love it. But yeah. Is it
1: racist or is it regionalist? Regionist. I'm going to call the New Yorkians
2: a race. Yeah. So, racist? <laughs>
1: Pineapple, does it belong on pizza? Yes. Uh, no. Fuck. God, you guys are anti-fusion foods. No, you know, no, you I want like I pineapple. I'm just saying, food. maybe we need to get cookie off this podcast and find someone that loves pineapple. And, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You
0: just got accused of being
1: racist. Let's not <laughs> the black guy two minutes later. <laughs> I'm not okay with this. <laughs>
2: uh. And, But yeah, no, I... Pineapple on pizza, that's gross. You people are weird. Go home. Man. Stay home, I guess, is the accurate term for this, since we're all in three different locations. I so-
0: didn't think that this was going to be the episode that tore us all apart, but I'm starting to
1: see it happening before it's my It's all eyes.
2: this new logo! Which <laughs> 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 I like, it, by, like the by the way. Yeah. yeah. Man, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, A big nice. thank you
1: to John for making it. You can watch and hear John on various Let's Plays that we've done in the past
2: so so neil what have you been up to this week
1: uh i guess this is maybe as good as any for a transition into video games because aside from work i haven't done shit uh Uh, did you play video games life yeah Yeah. so okay so octopath traveler came out and i i've really only had the chance to play video games yesterday and today and uh a lot of the time yesterday I ended up spending um I ended up just getting EPSXE to play code uh Code Delca. Have you guys heard of that before? No. Nope. No. It's a strange Oh, okay. So have you guys heard of Shadow Hearts, the PlayStation 2 game? No. Also no. Dang. Uh the the game takes place in the late 1800s. It is kind of about um I actually don't really know what this story is really about at this point. But it's a PlayStation 1 game. It looks a lot like Vagrant Story or Resident Evil in terms of graphics. And in terms of like a theme, it feels like it's an RPG version of Resident Evil. Like you go around, you run into zombies and other weird like ghostly type enemies. With a few different, with with like some caveats to that. Like in a lot of ways, it is Resident Evil, but better. uh in terms of the storytelling, like the the voiceovers are. I'm trying to put them in, it, into perspective, but they actually sound amazing for that day and age. I'm trying to think of like other games back in the PlayStation One era that had voice acting. It's a little over the top, but I think putting that into perspective for that for that era of games uh it's actually really well done but so it's pretty basic uh five by five map or grid uh combat where you basically have uh the ability to use guns melee weapons as well as magic i don't know not much else to say about that at, uh, about it at this point but it seems really really interesting and uh, I've, I've been bothered by multiple people, uh, Keith and Tiffany in particular, to play this game for a while and then play Shadow Hearts, which is, you know, a, a cult classic RPG on the PlayStation 2. So it's been pretty enjoyable thus far. So it's a part of that, like, series of games? Koudelka yes. Kodelka is? So, sorry, yeah. Kodelka is the, uh, the prequel to Shadow Hearts. It's interesting, just because like you don't typically see, I mean, too many games take place in the early 1900s and late 1800s to begin with, and one that is actually an RPG with like quote unquote horror elements to it as well, it, but it's not like your typical you know tank controls, poor, uh, poor aiming, like survival horror in that aspect makes it very unique. If it's eighteen
0: hundreds, uh, are we talking about like powder guns then, like no
1: lock pistols? And it, I think it's mostly. Rev- uh, I I've only had a single action. At least that's what I think it is. A single action handgun. Uh, okay. So we're talking like eighteen ninety something. I think is the the start of the first game, which I don't think a single. Uh, I'm actually gonna look that up. I single action revolver. When was that? first used oh in the mid 1800s so i guess it's more than believable okay so do headshots work on ghosts yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i was kind of uh wondering that myself oh that actually reminds me of all the different thing, the weird things they've implemented in this game uh i it seems like there's not a whole lot of uh elemental immunities so I've, I've encountered ghostly or like uh, not visceral, but like non-physical enemies and physical attacks and guns seem to work on them. But I imagine that's going to be a thing as you get later into the game. There's also weapon durability when it comes to everything other than guns. So, uh I quickly discovered that like melee weapons actually do really well, especially if you get your characters to have a proficiency of like level two. They can start hitting twice, which just basically means double damage uh, if you happen to be lucky enough to proc that. but the weapons will actually break over time, and it seems relatively randomized at getting weapons as a as like an enemy drop or mob drop and Yet there are like a few uh, environmental weapons you can find around the map. So it and it kind of forces you to think twice about what you want to use and when you want to use it because... Uh, I, and in that regard, I guess it kind of gives you a little bit of that same feeling of conserving ammo or resources like you would in Resident Evil or, well, not really Silent Hill, but Resident Evil 1 and 2. Uh, there's also ammo for, for, your wepo- or for your gun, so you can't just constantly shoot and kill things all the time uh but it 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 seems like you're able to grind up and get quite a fair amount of resources like i have 80 bullets or something for the single action revolver right now and uh, when, when that happened that it just occurred to me like oh i c- i guess i can stop punching things and probably just start, start using gun. it yeah uh but you guys have both been playing octopath traveler why don't you tell us about it cookie do you want to go first Oh, I will let me make the request no crazy spoilers, please. I am not
0: near far enough to have crazy spoilers, but uh, how do we feel about me talking about the intro stories to some of the characters I've played? I think that's fine. Okay, oh, okay, it's like the first 30 minutes to an hour of each character arc, and I mean an hour only if you're like having to grind at the start.
2: God, how far are you? Um. Anyway, so I will start then since... Scott seems to be the furthest of us all. I decided to go with the hunter, hunter's class, and I quickly started to regret it immediately because oh my god, they don't talk like normal human beings. There's a lot of thouists and uh, these and thighs and a lot of isis after everything, and it's super weird. But I love her. I love the aspect of her unique ability, which is um turning Octopath Traveler into Pokemon. So she has the ability to uh, battle monsters, anything that's not a human, weaken it to a point, and then actually capture it to summon in different battles. And I love that. So I'm that just playing cool. Pokemon. I ended so up it, going...
0: Oh, okay, after you. Oh, I was going to ask, when you capture monsters, does that mean that you... Like, when you summon them into battle... They work autonomously, I'm going to assume you don't control them, but they have different like skills or abilities that they'll reactivate in battle, I assume, or is it just like an extra body to put on the field that has essentially
2: basic attack and defense stats? So each thing has its own unique ability, like, so she comes with a leopard that you can always summon, it's got an unlimited amount of summons that you can do, and it either does a spear attack or a sword attack. Whereas you can capture, like, these little rat things with bow and arrows. You summon them, they pop in, they shoot the thing with an arrow, and then they leave, basically. And you get a limited number of summons per each one, but you can only have... It's either six or seven. I don't remember how many. Six or seven captured monsters at a time, and each one has, like, a limited use. That's a pretty good number of slots, though. I mean, that's six Pokeballs on the belt. Higgs, yeah.
1: So... How is that different from the dancer that, who allures people to join their party? You only get to allure one uh,
0: non-player character. And the summons work in the same way that like, you summon in a character, they have a limited number of actions that they'll take. It's normally like one or two, and then they leave the fight, and they can be summoned back after they've left until you run out. But it's a single-player character and as far as like, is there a difficulty rating to capturing monsters, or is it once you get them to low enough health that you have like an automatic capture for them? Cookie.
2: Um. So yes, there is a difficulty rating. So like, you can choose to summon or capture like a your beast skill, beast master skill, which is either summon or capture. And it'll okay. tell you it'll give you a percentage of, oh yeah, you're only got a fifteen percent chance of capturing this thing right now. If you try to capture it, that's your turn. And it says, Nope, you didn't capture it. Okay. Next Yeah, time. so so the allure is similar to that, but
0: obviously you lose instead of a turn in battle, you're losing reputation in town if you can't use the allure. But it's the same thing where it's a difficulty level. You can summon in shittier NPCs, but it's a much easier chance to acquire them. Versus a really good NPC that you can allure with you um, ultimately has a much harder chance of you acquiring them. Like, the percentage chance is lower. Also, I'm curious how that interacts with maybe quest options. Because I've had a quest where I've actually allured an NPC to a location in order to activate a part of a quest. So I wonder if there's like capture this beast and then interact with the town's person to give the beast away or like bring the beast
2: to a certain location or maybe sell it. Yeah. So in that regard, um, her town action that if you fail, it it gives reputation is provoking people and then fighting that person with your, with the captured monsters that you have. And after you fight them, you defeat them. They pass out. There's this guy in her starting town who's in in front of like a door, and he's like, "No trespassers." So you fight him. You so beat him. You kick him. the shit out of him. You kick the shit out of him. You go in the room. There's this little kid in there, and then there's this treasure chest that says it's locked. You don't have the right ability to actually get to it. Mm. So that kind of informed my next decision after I finished the her starting chapter, was to immediately go south and grab the thief. So I did the thief's first chapter, (laughs) which his special ability is just to steal stuff off of everyone, which, oh my God, it is so nice not having to be able to like grind and do things for random objects and gear and just being able to steal it off of all the townspeople I see. Yeah. So I go back up to the town and in the town, there's, since I'm done with chapter one at that point with the Huntress there are three there are three like submissions that you have, and one of them is quite literally this guy. He's like, man, I want to take the hunter's challenge, but I can't really consider myself a hunter unless I capture a great boar. So I'm assuming that's that whole, I go out, capture a great boar, and bring it back to him, and then he gets to go on with life. Yeah, that sounds right. But yeah, so I ended up kicking the shit out of that one guy again. And then the thief, he has the ability to open all chests. So I love him. Yeah. And he is the only character with that ability
0: from what I understand. So he's like, I don't know. I don't like having him on my team because I have other units that satisfy his other abilities pretty effectively. Like they overlap in all of those elements except for the uh, unlocking purple chests bonus, which is too bad. So I've felt obligated to keep him around kind of on and off. But as far as side quests go, I think that brings up a good point is um, every side quest I've encountered for the most part is resolved by using some sort of path action. And so depending on what characters you have, you have an available number of path actions. And I think with four, like, I'm starting to encounter that there's either like, four basic path actions that the job skills have or that the classes have that uh have some overlap to one another like challenging someone you can also do it the night olberic but you don't lose any sort of uh like town reputation for it like you can just try over and over again to beat the shit out of somebody standing in a doorway and if you keep losing there's no affront to your character like you keep your status the same way that instead of stealing items with the merchant, I can buy them at a discounted price from people. Um, and they're never mad if I don't buy it or, you know, uh, I have the added bonus that sometimes when I buy something from them, I get an, an extra discount on top of the purchase. So I feel like there's this system that they're trying to use. That's like essentially a, uh, maybe higher risk reward system with the path actions and then a slightly modified substitute path action that has less consequence, but sometimes uh, a baked in cost or like it's lacking one particular benefit that the other skill has. Hmm.
2: So, so, so I can say I've only gotten the thief and the hunter and now I'm just kind of on my way, wandering around right now, trying to figure out what the fuck I want to do. But it sounds like you got, like, this full fucking roster, Scott. So I I have... I'll tell you the path
0: I went through. I started with Tressa Yoink-Colazone, who is the merchant on the far uh, eastern end of the map. And uh, I essentially decided to pick her because I wanted to use the ultimate weapon late stage capitalism to beat the game and its its bosses and so far she's been a really fun and interesting choice i know that merchants are sometimes like shitty units uh in other rpgs i've played or even like fire emblem there's like a merchant class that's not very good um but they've added a very unique like I guess she's she's essentially like a good a good-hearted thief. Like you just purchase items off of people as opposed to stealing them. But she has some interesting abilities which are uh like finding random uh random amounts of money every time she enters a new area. Like she just finds the corpse of a rich man or somebody's wallet gets dropped and so she gets a random amount of gold and I've gotten anywhere from like 50 gold or 50 of whatever the currency is to like 2500 and so it's a really like especially at the beginning of the game it's a really uh substantial benefit to just be picking up money content continuously without any effort um but after i got tressa i moved on to cyrus the scholar who is uh your main unit for dealing like elemental magic damage and then Ulberic Eisenberg, your warrior class, the counter to, like, Hanet, who you took as your first character, the Huntress. Um, then I got Primrose Kitten Alasard. She's sort of... I don't know what class she's relevant to. She's pretty unique. Like, I don't know if she has uh, a counterpart on her kit that's as close to anything else but for path actions i think she's similar to the cleric or priestess or whatever that i haven't encountered yet ophelia Um, and then i moved on to alfin the apothecary who is probably the only character in this game so far that i've really enjoyed their uh, character writing because he's just kind of this like I don't know. They, I, you'll have to tell me what you think, but the voice acting and the character writing is not a strength of this game. Like I, I don't really care for it. It's entertaining in, in an amusing way and not in a like very effective uh, character writing or storyline uh, composition so far. But I don't really care because the just beauty of this game and the mechanics have been enough to keep me entertained for quite a while. Um, but anyway, after picking up Alfin, then I finally picked up and the thief. And so I have experienced six of the eight characters for Octopath Traveler. And I got to say each, uh, I feel, I feel worried about people who pick up this game and start with a character and are unimpressed at their initial, uh, like motivation storyline because each each character that you play there's a chapter one where you essentially play as them individually and i don't know if you've been choosing to play the beginning part of the story or just join up with a character once you've met them in town because you do have the option to just skip their starting storyline if you want to which i did for primrose since i had already done primrose's starting storyline previously you mean you didn't
2: want to get to see the like best death scene over and over and over again? I mean, no, I still watched I still watched it. The ending bit where he does
0: like a little spit and then gurgling noises for like three or four text bubbles, which is pretty good. <laughs> Personally, like I kind of like that weird amount of uh like hyperbolic acting in some of the characters, which is fun. And I guess it's whimsical, which is good for this game because I can't take it super seriously. But um, I really do feel like the game forces you to build your whole roster before you go out on your Chapter 2 missions because all of the recommended level Chapter 2 missions I've seen are like level 20 and above. And even after doing 6, I'm only at like level 18 with my highest character. So I feel like you want to pick everybody up first before you actually
1: move outward into your like later level quests. That's interesting in and of itself. Like I, I keep thinking that this is going or this is a romancing saga, uh, spiritual successor. But like the way, the way you can gather all these protagonists make makes me think that it's just like it's something that's potentially not completely different, but different enough because it was always hard to gather a lot of the protagonists in those games together. And in some cases you just couldn't like in romancing saga three, which has, I think eight characters to start with, uh, the, the quote unquote, uh, or not quote unquote, the prince of a nation, which is one of the heroes cannot be recruited by anyone else. And then, uh, there is a swordsman kind of like, uh, I guess a mercenary from a, like southern country basically the one like the one minority in the entire game uh is only playable for other protagonists at the start of the game but then you can never get them again if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong but this actually seems to encourage just gathering all of these protagonists up then yeah and there's not like any sort of story necessarily
0: tying them together at this point from what Hmm. i can tell um, they all seem to have relatively independent storylines uh, that play with the like setting of the continent that they're on. Like There are historical ties between some characters' motivations and others, but it's not like any of them are seeking out the same goal, essentially. So when they encounter each other in town, it's just like, Hey, I'm in need of the help of some companions. Do you want to help me out? And the whole group, who has like very different paths and storylines that they want to follow, is just like, sure, we'll help you rob a mansion, even though some of us are just like honorable knights and uh, like kind hearted merchants. One of us is, you know, looking to assassinate three, like counter assassinate three uh, people who assassinated their father. But Let's help you rob this mansion real quick Before we go do the rest of our storyline There's not uh, There's not any sense To why your characters have come together And I actually think It's probably better than having a super Convoluted storyline Especially when the rest of this story writing Seems to be pretty like shaky um, Kind of casual If you will What do you mean casual? Just casual as in like as long as you don't look at it or like focus on it too hard, then you won't see all of the weird like contradictions or.
1: Yeah, maybe I guess when you put it as whimsical, that's probably the best way to describe it from, from the sound of things.
0: It's the nicest way to say it for sure. (laughs) It's like maybe cookies, uh, path of like Hanit meeting Therion, they could have some like Hanit seems like maybe she's a more morally gray character. And so is Therion. Which makes total sense, but honorable knight Olberic just seems like a really weird character to be helping um, out someone like uh, Therion who's going to perform like a big heist when he's burning with rage to find his old rival. It's uh, there's just the it, there's too many conflicts to make it believable that these characters would actually come together and progress through the story in the way that I'm playing as a as a player and that's okay with me it's fine cuz I I like most of the elements more than the story in the first place so it's not a big deal to me but I feel I'm wondering how that'll impact you playing Neil because you're
1: yeah entirely you're, driven by narrative for the most I part I know
0: yeah you're going to you're going to just drill holes through these relationships immediately however I will say that some of these individual character arcs or like uh i guess motives for going out and adventuring do seem interesting they just don't seem like they actually coalesce at any point in time
1: i i've got a question for cookie specifically uh at least i, I don't think scott you played a golf story is that correct i did not no i <laughs> i should though uh, cookie I should is the narrative in golf story more uh compelling than Monocle- octopath okay, traveler One more time? Yeah, it, try that again, Neil. <laughs> is golf story more compelling than octopath Monocle- traveler from like a story standpoint?
2: Yes and no. I'm more interested in uh, the huntress's story and her trying to hunt down her um her mentor than I am in the thief's story of him just trying to collect three more Fabergé eggs. But with Golf Story, it was quite literally a satire of this kid got a lesson from his father, and now he wants to become a professional golfer, and it's the best. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Golf Story over Octopath Traveler so far. It, is Golf Story really just talent big I mean, and nights in some the way? The humor that you have
0: expressed that comes from Golf Story, I think, is definitely an example of good writing. Like... It's very funny satire. You need to say very little about it for us to be entertained or amused by it. While I could tell you the story start to finish on one of these characters from Octopath Traveler, and I doubt you're going to care about half of them. So I feel like Cookie's onto something with Golf Story being preferable in that comparison.
2: Unfortunately. Maybe I bought the wrong game.
1: You can good buy news. both.
2: Golf is a lot cheaper. <laughs>
1: Yeah. true
2: okay so I want to talk about the thing that annoys me about Octopath Traveler it's kind of low key out of focus around the edges and I don't like it you
1: mean like visually
2: or are you talking thematically there's a blur effect yeah and I don't like it so like on when I'm playing it on my like big screen I don't That was when I first noticed it, but I don't really care as much. But now whenever I'm playing on the Switch, I feel as if I have to have the Switch like this close to my face in order to like get everything in detail. It could just be my shitty eyesight. But I don't like how it's kind of low-key blurry. And when you're in the forest, there's always a pixelated tree just like in your way. So it's got these weird pixel spots as well. And it may be a unique, uh, not unique,
0: but I'd say between Cookie and I, it may be a complaint that I don't share with just because the areas that I've been to for the most part, the blur doesn't have any sort of impact on my ability to really see where I'm going or navigation. Um, And in certain areas, especially like the coastal uh, town that you start in as the merchant, it's used to like really stunning visual effect to have that blur kind of as the mist or horizon of the ocean with the sparkling light effects on the sand and water. Like I think it's utilized very well in some circumstances, but there are some areas where I guess the blur is a little weird. Uh, in the have, you, demo, have you been to the Have you been to the forest yet? I haven't. I know in the demo playing as Primrose when you go through like this catacomb area which you've played cookie yeah it's it is hard to navigate that area because not only is it uh a surrounding aura of darkness yeah but it's also blurry and slightly greenish and so it's pretty easy to get lost in a handful of environments but most of them uh do that type of uh i think graphical design justice
1: but i'll find
2: out with the forest yeah, it's like the forest is the only place that I've really got that complaint. I've been into the desert area with the thief, which I really didn't have that bad of an issue there. And I'm just getting into a snowy area with um somebody. I'm not sure. But there's a mountain nearby that I'm okay. just getting onto. That looks pretty pretty and I haven't really seen anything, but like in the forest there's just like there's always a tree that's in focus, out of focus, and then I've got like I'm seeing through the tree, and there's like weird pixel effects. For a second, I thought there was an issue with my TV. Uh yeah. And then I like move slightly and notice that the pixels moved with it, and I was like, ah. Yeah, I would. Uh,
0: I would say it probably works to its greatest effect when it's used in areas that have water, and uh, I am. I'm interested to see how the forest pans out because I believe you that it could be just a lot weirder when it comes to trying to look at the screen when you've got this idea of like trying to have a uh, blurry, uh, unfocused tree foliage effect, but everything else is green, and so you just feel like you have your eyes all blurry. I like it. Octopath Octopath Traveler Traveler's been fun, Neil. Just don't don't look at it as your next uh, major storyline masterpiece. Yeah, it's not your next light novel in video
1: game form. <laughs> Definitely not going to hit that. <laughs> oh
2: man, did you guys play anything else that you want to go over? <laughs> so technically, like I said, I got into technically in game wise, I bought the Korg gadget on the switch which i guess isn't really a game but a doll but it's on the switch and i was like oh that's pretty amazing i i don't mind figuring out what's going on with that and i've gotten much much better at mario tennis scott do you have mario tennis i don't actually i uh
0: i meant to pick it up and then i saw that octopath traveler was coming out and i thought well i can pick up mario tennis i'll probably get it once I have another set of controllers, so I figured I'll buy controllers on sale at some point in time, and then I'll get Mario Tennis on sale, or at least a little bit cheaper at that point in time. Because I I plan on playing it a lot, but I also I don't feel like I need to pick it up to stay uh, interested in it. Like, Mario Tennis will always be something I want to play, and so I didn't uh, worry about rolling with the uh,
2: immediate hype of it coming out that makes sense i i have been enjoying that game and i've been learning and it is broken as fuck when you're playing it with a uh, special powers because you can do the trick shot going forward by just flicking the right stick up and pretty much anything that crosses the net you're going to hit because you've got such a big wide gap wide range Mm-hmm. And then it's a drop shot immediately, and then you do the trick shot going backwards. And as long as they don't drop shot it on you, you're gonna hit that as well. And then it's gonna be a flat shot, and it's beautiful. Oh, that's Game brilliant! Game is broken. I didn't Game think about that. Game is broken as fuck. But yeah, I've been playing that. I opened up Dishonor Two on the place that, on the um on the old PC here, and ended up not playing it because we had to leave. And I also downloaded Battle Chef Brigade on the uh, PC as well, and I kind of want to play a little bit of that as well. The Iron Chef em
1: up game. Yeah, yeah, it looks good. I think we we've uh, mentioned it before. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it was like when everyone was um, playing it, and it got like everyone got super addicted on the Switch. Scott, were you playing it? No. Hmm. I say everyone because everyone else that I knew who had a Switch here in Omaha besides you and Tiff Neil, we're playing it. it it's hard for us
1: to dedicate like a lot of time to the switch when we also have uh like a huge library not huge but significant libraries on uh steam
0: i don't know i feel like since i moved i've been using my switch and my playstation twice as much because i actually have a comfortable place to play it now oh
2: scott get absolver so we can play together finally Oh, yeah. I do have that, actually. I've been playing that again on the PlayStation since it came out for the uh, PlayStation Plus. Don't you have it on Steam? I'm better at that now. I'll have to get back to it. Yeah,
0: I actually saw it a couple of weeks ago and thought that I needed to pull it back up and start playing again. Uh, otherwise, for other games I've been playing, I was about to start the Far Harbor DLC on Fallout 4. I can't remember what motivated me to play Fallout again. But I went back to it, I started playing with uh like a character on very easy and uh or maybe just easy and exploring all the areas of the wasteland I couldn't get to playing on survival mode because it just got like brutally difficult at the like level fifty and above areas. Um It's nice returning to it and taking it a lot less seriously. I'm actually preferring playing it that way. It may be an approach I take to later Elder Scrolls games as well. Because then it just lets me ignore a lot of like item management too. Because if you're not taking enough damage to need health potions, then you don't have to worry about keeping a bunch of potions in your inventory, right? So with Fallout, it's just like, I don't even bother with Stimpaks for the most part. I just eat whatever food I've cooked and move on when I take damage. I think that's it for what I've played. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't recommend going back to Fallout 4. I don't know why I got the bug in the first place.
1: Well, we're at 47 minutes, so... Um, do you guys think we can cover it in about 10 minutes?
2: What is our main topic?
1: When discussing a game's overall worth, be it for your own personal enjoyment, or theoretically on the topic of rewards or honors, be it for media or whatnot... Uh, is it fair to—is f- it fair or right to consider a game's budget? Short answer: yes. Short answer: no.
0: Ooh, all right, Neil. Well, we've started. We're at a point <laughs> of contention. Where are you at on this? You gotta—you gotta even the score somehow.
1: I love how those
2: teeth look like a little bow tie. Yeah, Mike. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best
1: freeze screen I've seen. Uh, it, it's going to be weird because the audience is going to have a bunch of free, uh, frozen screens for you guys. I don't, I don't know what is up with our connection this time around that is you're getting our audio though, right? Yeah. It, it's been like clean the entire time. Uh, That's better. so, so, uh, I would say that like, uh, my personal feelings, I always consider a budget whether I want to or not. That's why like, I'm not as impressed when you give me a triple a game that a lot ho- of like time and money has gone into and it's like a great game but when you give me undertale i'm blown the fuck out of the water by it uh which i what was the kickstarter for undertale like fifty thousand dollars? i think it went yeah, it was quite small, a bit higher but but exactly
0: i uh, um i was thinking about that exact point when i read about this how does a budget impact a game? Because you see something like Undertale, which is something that I think about when I compare to games nowadays. And it's like, if one person with a passion project can make an exceptionally good game for a relatively cheap amount of money,
1: and 51, a AAA studio one hundred twenty-four dollars. That's it really just, that's not that much to up. develop a game. Frog Fractions One was developed on basically no budget. And it's quite arguably one of the best games of all time. Frog factions, it's, frog factions. It's,
2: it's one of those games that Neil likes because it's a cult classic, and if you're into that occult part of the community, I, then it's great. I don't like, like
1: it. I don't like it because it's it's hip. I like it because it is this fucking darling ass game that presents itself to be. Like, it presents itself to be this weird educational kids game, which blows up into something completely different. Frog Fractions is awesome.
2: cult and classic. And then, of it, hell. then it makes like a shit ton of references.
1: Show. Scott, you need to play Frog Fractions. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing where on do this I, podcast. Where do I find it? And what the hell is it? frog fractions and this applies to everyone out there you're gonna go to twinbeard.com slash
2: frog hyphen fractions so and i guess to answer our question about um do i consider a budget when i consider like the value or worth of a game the reason i say no is because unfortunately even though i'm a podcaster about video games and stuff i'm not really that interested in the backstory of a lot of things I'd quite literally just go, Hey, did I enjoy this game? Yes. Perfect. And this game was worth a buy. Did I enjoy this game? No. Well damn. I still bought it anyway. I'm gonna get the best I can out of it. But when it comes to like what the budget is, I don't really care. I'm like, hey, if you can produce something that's brilliant with five dollars, good on you. If you can produce something brilliant that's two hundred million dollars on you you produce something brilliant so i, quite I literally think, just go shit game or not shit game
0: yeah so i think that that's what the thing is is like we're almost agreeing on the same point even though we're answering the question opposite which is like a good game can obviously come from any level of investment on it it's I think Neil and I's opinion or perspective maybe, that it is more disappointing to see a shit game that has had millions and millions put into it than a shit game that has had uh, pretty much zero budget at all. Because the, the money in some way exemplifies the amount of like investment through skill or time or something that uh, we can see at least with like businesses and studios, I do think when it comes to indie games and like Flash games and whatnot, that's harder to see because a lot of these things end up being results of people putting in a lot of time and hard work and you don't see the dollar amount that went into it uh, in the same way that we do for larger publishers as being an example of like effort.
2: So then I guess so say you didn't know that undertale so say you heard that undertale had a budget of like 50 million dollars would you still have the same level of respect for it that's it that's actually a really good question um may i because do interject? you like under
1: go yeah, ahead sure. Neil. yeah you you would like to think you would but this is where like i'm recognizing that it matters because if you told me they spent 50 million dollars on it that means that they had to basically hire they it like there there was research and marketing uh target marketing put into place here like all sorts of shit to basically hone and create this experience that it caters to it, it just doesn't feel legitimate at this point at that point right now like would it would it necessarily make the experience worse in retrospect if we suddenly find out that toby fox is actually ea's secret development team and it's not just one person but instead it really was like a 50 million dollar game <laughs> like we would i think to a degree i would feel extremely soured by that i don't know i'd, I'd
0: still i might be charmed by the fact that they were able to get away with that facade
1: it, okay, so it, it's like this. I kind of I kind of feel like Oh, I, okay. Do you do think you there's ex- something inherently wrong with fast food? Because essentially researchers more or less spend countless years in labs trying to figure out the correct ratio of sugar to salt to get that soft white bread bun to taste the perfect way for the majority of people and i kind of i kind of see it like that i guess like taco bell is essentially creating the most efficient way to sell you things for money and get you hooked onto their food and i kind of see like that level of resources going into such a lo fi game being similar in that regard
2: Yep, we 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 heard your entire build up <laughs> and then your punchline was <laughs> not <laughs> there <laughs> 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 oh it
1: does, doesn't matter it, it's kind of a weird thing i just i personally think i would i would not feel the same way about the game uh, which i i
0: feel is fair yeah i i think um i agree it would be hard to not let the budget color my perception in how i look at games I have higher scrutiny for games that receive a large amount of money and then are not so great, or Call of Duty. I don't wh- whatever uh, adjective you want to use. Um, and I am always, I think, more inclined to be impressed or uh, kind of dazzled by games that are very, very good that I find out had very small budgets or like small development teams. I think essentially just taking into account the amount of resources, not even necessarily the finances, but the amount of resources available and the product that comes out is something that I think I pay a lot of attention to. If I get something amazing that comes from unassuming origins, I'm way more likely to be impressed and kind of enamored by that. Whereas if I see something that seems mediocre and I find out that it has a really like robust and substantial amount of resources, I feel like I'm more disappointed by
2: that. So what if you see something that's mediocre and has got the $50,000 budget?
0: Uh, I see games so like that it. all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, I don't buy those games too often. So basically it's coming down to more of less of a... it. De- you give things with a small budget a lot more leeway, leeway yeah. Or a bigger pass than you would a triple A game. Absolutely. I think that's a good point. That is
1: that is the core of my bias in this case. Like I I I do that with Nier Automata. Like I realize it's not Horizon Zero Dawn or God of War in terms of its budget, so I can't expect it to have the same map side like there are a lot yeah of exactly the in that map game. is like that's
0: an awesome game where it's disappointing the amount of detail in the map right yeah and uh and if it had more money i'd i'd like to think that the map would be better but maybe not you know that's also possible i mean but you, it's a you, you can see a lot game. of the
1: a lot of the limitations of the budget like they start right in 9s's face like he has this weird uncanny value valley thing going on as soon as you see his eyes yeah but i'd like to think that's why they blindfolded half the characters so they didn't have to work that hard on the eyes except they uh, just have to do robot lights yeah um i i thought of another example and it's maybe not it's not related completely but we we become extremely impressed with like sculptures made in the renaissance and how how lifelike and how like anatomically perfect and correct, they can be. And While maybe using simple maybe tools. How I'm, oh, sorry? While using simple tools, is that the. Exactly. But if someone were to make that today, I think our level of. Like, we would, would not be nearly as impressed now. But that could also be because it's already been done and it's now just a copy of that. So I'm
2: not sure. Slash, slash it's going to be. It's going to. I would actually honestly be just as impressed, if not more impressed, considering if I knew that, hey, yeah, this person YouTube the entire thing and they've been sitting there with a rock and chisel and with a hammer and chisel and like polishing up everything, not using modern tools, I'd be more impressed at that point because otherwise, shit, they could have just 3D printed a fucking mold, poured cement, and called it a day. Right, and that's what I'm saying.
1: If if someone were to make it a day with modern tools, it wouldn't be as impressive... Uh, right, but I mean, like that's kind of why I see it, see like game design impressive when it's done with less resources. Because I'm not necessarily just seeing the numbers, but just thinking to myself, like Undertale is a game that made me feel such strong emotions, and it was basically made in game. It wasn't made in Game Maker, but it could have been made in Game Maker or yeah. RPG Maker.
0: Yeah, it's not. You're not using uh, like the Cry Engine to make uh <laughs> <laughs> to we we don't undertale. know that for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, it pixels are so sharp though. It's it's possible. But yeah, I uh I agree to that. I defer to cookie on um the like he's he's got an art background and I kind of agree to that when I see art that i am not considered it's not, like it's myself. not Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I see when I see art that's uh done with uh like a difficult method or like a limited amount of tools i normally am more impressed by that my parents have some piece of art that was done by a dude using paint on the like he used paints on a crowbar and it looks better than brushwork i could do for like 10 years of practice and so it's uh it's one of those things where it's like not only is the outcome or the product like very good but the Technique utilized in order to make that product is even more impressive because of its like unorthodox nature, I guess, or its limited nature. I'll find a picture of that, by the way, and I'll show you guys, and you'll be like, this wasn't done with a crowbar.
2: (laughs) So, I guess I might have to change my answer then, just thinking about it from like more of an art perspective. So, I guess. So yeah, the original reason I say no to I don't really consider a budget about like how impressed with a game I am is because I'm not really super into the community, unfortunately, and I'm not there looking at all these indie darlings, so I never actually get a chance to see them because they don't have the big AAA budgets that are targeted directly at me. So it's like, what remains of Edith Fitch? Have either of you two played that? I have heard a lot of good things, but I have not played it ditto me as well i don't know (laughs) what kind of budget that game has but apparently it's supposed to be the most amazing thing and there's like this bathroom scene or something there's this scene in it and it's like oh my god that's everyone's scene and it might not have like a very huge but i'm actually pretty sure it doesn't have a very huge budget but it's touching all these people and it all just comes down to it's got good writing Whereas AAA things, um, fuck, I forgot what I was looking at. Um, Beyonce's song where she was like, spinning with my hands up, my hands up, clap, 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 that song, whatever fucking song that is, written by, I think it has like 27 writers on it. Whereas then you go Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, written by that one dude. So it comes down to less about what the actual budget is. And more about, oh, is this writing good? Is the gameplay good? So, yeah, I'm going to change my answer to... I do feel as if the budget will... Wait, what was the original question?
1: Do you think budget should play... And I guess resources in that regard, too, but do you think those things should play in how games are evaluated, be it personally or with rewards?
2: Nope, never mind. I don't change my answer since it's been... Word it that way yeah no because either they got good writers and are just that perfect gameplay loop that hooks me in and it's a good game to me personally or they have bad writing or a very very bad piss poor gameplay loop that is make that game shit to me so i'm gonna defer it back to it's either a shit game or it's not
1: Man, if you've, if Edith Finch wasn't $20, I'd say we should all just play it, since I think it's supposed to be relatively short. But, yeah, it's
0: like two hours or something of gameplay, from what yeah. I've heard, or maybe a little more.
1: With See, the game that's, that's sold, I definitely don't want to prompt us to all buy it, since it'll probably go on sale in a couple months anyways. So. Yeah. It I, costs I just the think,
2: time. That's not worth it for me.
1: Yeah, that's
0: $10 an hour. That's two shitty movies. Like... <laughs> For the That's, price of one. Or actually, no, no. Movies, movies, even if it's a shitty movie, have a better payout, right? Like, yeah, if you go see a movie, it's at least an hour and a half normally, and you pay $10. So it's I'm the price thinking of, of like five movies? Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking of Octopath Traveler, and the fact is if I stop playing that game right now, I've already uh, paid only $6 an hour for entertainment for the most part. But I might soon. be on 11 hours, so it's like i'm already doing a
1: lot better on that uh cost benefit analysis and then you remember ftl or some other like extremely cheap game and then you're like where I Fuck, I
0: have, yeah where i I'm have 50 up. or 60 hours on a two dollar game so it's like
2: absolutely crap i've done free-to-play games that have just been like oh my god happy wars the original oh money yeah. There's a site that will tell
1: you how many or how, like how much time you've spent p- uh, playing League of Legends, and that would depress it. me.
2: But yeah, so just dollar-cost averaging. No, I'm not going to take a budget into effect on, on shit. It's either a shit game or it's not. Either I've wasted my time and my money or I haven't wasted my time and my money. On so that note, I. I
1: have apparently wasted drum roll while these results slowly load in fifty eight thousand five hundred and sixty minutes or nine hundred and seventy six hours or forty one days damn i'm
0: uh I'm at eighteen days so i am i'm actually in the bottom like I'm in the 75th percentile of league play,
1: I think, for players. I'm in the upper half. Ugh, it's depressing. Uh, so before we end this episode of Fancy Ramen, I did want to bring up one particular bit of news. Uh, so Todd Howard of Bethesda had just recently brought up that cross-play would not be possible in Fallout 76. And he said specifically that it's thanks to Sony's uh, lack of cooperation. I just want to call out bullshit. So there are many other games that have made it possible to have Xbox and PC play together or Switch and Xbox in the case of Fortnite. So what does Sony's involvement have to do with stopping you from doing that?
2: So I think he's at least according to like that sentence you gave from Todd Howard he's talking about crossplay between PlayStation and other things specifically but, but he he legitimately has
1: said that crossplay is not happening as a result so um, unless we hear otherwise i don't think crossplay is happening for switch to PC or switch uh, uh switch to Xbox Xbox to PC would hopefully be a given right yeah it should be and so I think that was uh, that was
0: something that was noted, at least in the article that I read from Game Informer, in which they're talking about, it's still not clear whether there will be uh, cross-play between either console and the PC. But it seems like, yeah, the obvious assumption that uh, Xbox to PC should be super easy cross-play. Like, you don't have... Microsoft has already been doing a really good job of implementing crossplay between PC and console games. And also I understand Sony has this position where they're trying to limit crossplay from uh PlayStation to other platforms. But what happened to the good old days of playing Rocket League on PC against like PlayStation players? I don't see
2: why it's becoming a growing issue. Because uh, you can't play Rocket League with PlayStation players anymore. Yeah,
0: you used to be able to. And so it's a shame that they they switched that up.
2: But I just, I
1: don't see you, if, if they're really wanting to promote cross-play across all platforms, why are they not being open about their inclusiveness of switch to Xbox and PC? Because you're not going to beat, you're not going to beat like the, boss battle that is Sony and lack of crossplay unless you continue to support it across all other forms or all other consoles and ways to play like them just making the comment is further perpetuating perpetrating the problem and further increasing hostile hostilities as a result like it's kind of like the whole VR argument here like we're not going to get anywhere unless we all work together to make this medium more acceptable as a whole so I, I also like I, I listened to a podcast recently that also pointed out that like, you know, Xbox is also not completely void of guilt here. Why is it that you have to pay Xbox or pay for Xbox Gold to play online for a, f- a free game?
2: Because they're not going to make people play pay Xbox Gold online for their PC version. They gotta make that money somewhere.
1: Exactly. So it I mean, they're they're potentially making their money off of uh, microtransactions that are happening on their platform. But that's a whole nother hurdle to cross. Like how like who actually makes the money when someone buys a loot box or a loot crate or whatever the fuck you have in uh Fortnite? If you have an account that goes across all of the platforms, but you're playing on one particular account at that point? Like they're I understand why this is maybe taking more time than we would like. But still, like, at the end of the day, I'm just saying I'm not getting roped into the uh, the Bethesda's not at fault here thing. When... I, I think this is the wrong way to go about it. Fucking add cross-play to Switch and Xbox and PC, and then you have the moral high ground. If you just don't, then, like... Like the guys at Fortnite at least built it for everything because of that one issue where they had like a mess up and they a- accidentally basically pushed the button that allowed crossplay across everything. So we at least know that uh Epic Games actually coded crossplay support for all all platforms. So it's like they did it. We we can't get mad at them for for Sony disallowing that. They right, did there's their work. There is nothing more they can do. Yeah, exactly. But like, if you are just not gonna do it for Fallout seventy six, it's like I don't know. That that's my stance on it. Soap soapbox over from Neil.
2: Proud of you. Yeah, it does yeah. sound like there is just no crossplay at all.
0: And you, I mean, you do make a good point there. Good thing. Uh, I mean, are any of us
1: buying this? Yes. I mean, yeah, maybe okay. we'll see. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well let's put
1: it this way. If if it turns out to actually be like a fun multiplayer experience, like I, I don't care enough about the Fallout story to to have that hold me back from getting it, getting the game. Like I think Fallout four more or less kind of killed off my expectations for the series moving forward.
0: That's true. So I guess a fresh start has
1: more promise than uh continued backsliding. It's kind of the closest thing to Mass Effect at this point too. <laughs> you got your three choices, sometimes your four choices, your dialogue wheel. And like your your decent enough shooter mechanics that someone a casual like me thinks it plays perfectly fine. Yeah. So. And better voice acting than than Andromeda. Better eye manipulation. All right. uh, That was episode 75 of Fancy Ramen. Thanks for listening in. If you have questions, comments, whatever, you can write into podcast at FancyRamen.com.
2: Don't forget to leave a like on that. Um, Leave a like and a review to help us get out there and get some notifications out on Apple Podcasts. And, you know, just download us wherever you get your podcast subscriptions. And please tell a friend about our uh, podcast
0: so you can spread the good word of Fancy Ramen. Tell them about our new logo and how sweet it is and uh, why they should watch us based on that little piece of clip art up in the corner. Woo-woo. All right, guys. I'll see you Have later. Have a
1: great